Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, July 8th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died after being shot at a campaign event. Pressure mounts for Boris Johnson to accelerate his exit from office. Wall Street braces for the June jobs report. And Twitter shares drop on doubt the Elon Musk takeover will ever happen. Former White House counsel Pat Cipollone appears before the January 6th panel, plus another shark attack on Long Island. I'm Mike Bar more ahead. I'm John Stashow in sports. The Yankees' 60th win of the year. They beat the Red Sox in their first game played this year in Boston. An easy win for the Mets. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 16 points this morning. Dow futures down 110. NASDAQ futures down 62. The 10-year Treasury up 530 seconds, yield 2.97%, and the yield on the two-year is at 3%. Nathan. All right, Karen, we begin this morning with breaking news following a violent attack in Japan. Former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died after being shot during a campaign event. That's according to Japanese broadcaster NHK. We get more from Bloomberg's Jared Reedy in Tokyo. The reaction from the people here would be, I think I would term it as shock. These kind of events are extremely rare. For this kind of thing to happen in a country where normally, you know, the politics are quite staid and where there really wasn't a lot of interest in stuff that's going on sometimes, absolutely extraordinary. And, of course, gun crime here is extremely rare. Bloomberg's Garrett Reedy reports from Tokyo that a 41-year-old suspect has been arrested. That man told police he wanted to kill Abe because he was frustrated with the former premier. Abe reportedly died after being shot from about 10 feet away with what appeared to be a homemade firearm. Well, meantime, in the U.K., Nathan, pressure is building on Boris Johnson to the relinquish power sooner. His conservative party wants to speed up the contest to choose Johnson's successor by the end of the summer. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden reporting from Westminster has more. It's a wide open race. At the moment, the front runners are driven by those with military experience and credentials. So the Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, the former Defence Secretary Penny Morduant, and also Tom Tugendhat, who's never held a senior cabinet position but has served in the armed forces. Of course, because of the war in Ukraine, they are taking the spotlight. But we're also in the midst of a cost of living crisis here in the UK. So that lends the limelight to the former Chancellor Rishi Sunak. And Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says Boris Johnson is hoping to stay on for at least three more months. Well, back here in the U.S., Karen, relations with China are in focus. And today, President Biden meets to discuss possible reductions in U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. 
Sources tell Bloomberg News that today's meeting revolves around whether to remove some Trump-era levies on $300 billion in Chinese imports. Reducing those tariffs is seen as a potential weapon against inflation. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo have said that it could help, but ending tariffs on Chinese goods won't help Americans where higher prices hurt the most, food, fuel, and housing. Yellen, Raimondo, and Trade Representative Catherine Tai will not attend today's meeting. In Washington, I'm Amy Moore. Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Turning to the economy now, we are less than three and a half hours away from the June jobs report. Economists say payroll gains will slow after the Fed raised interest rates. And we get more from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The consensus view is Fed officials will be pleased by the June jobs report. Hiring slowing but still strong, unemployment essentially unchanged, and wage pressures easing. An on-forecast result would likely leave Wall Street investors reasonably satisfied as well. The question is, what happens if we get an extremely strong or extremely weak report? The central bankers have suggested a strong report won't change their plans for what will likely be another three-quarter percentage point increase at the end of the month, but expect volatility if weak numbers lead investors to increase bets on recession. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Mike. Thanks. Well, two of the Fed's most hawkish members are coming out in support of bigger rate hikes. Here's Fed Governor Christopher Waller. I'm definitely in support of doing another 75 basis point hike in July, probably 50 in September. And then after that, we can debate whether to go back down to 25s. Fed Governor Christopher Waller made those comments at an event hosted by the National Association for Business Economics. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard's also calling for a 75 basis point rate hike this month. If we don't get the inflation under control, inflation expectations could become unmoored. And if that happened, uh, then you get this long and complicated uh, tangle like we did in the 70s. Both Bullard and Waller are voting members of the Federal Open Market Committee this year. Well, turning to corporate news now, Nathan shares a Twitter down more than 4% in early trading. There's more concern that Elon Musk's proposed acquisition of the social media company is falling apart. We get the latest from Bloomberg's Shanali Basik, who is at this week's tech conference in Sun Valley. Twitter CEO, CFO, and board chair are all here at a small meeting of elite investors. Now, there's a concern that the deal for Elon Musk to buy Twitter may be in jeopardy as he's concerned about bots and has stopped talks with a key potential investor, according to the Washington Post. However, investors at Sun Valley also believe that Elon Musk may be looking to renegotiate the deal, especially given that Twitter stock price has fallen so far. I'm Shanali Basik in Sun Valley for Bloomberg News. And Bloomberg Shanali Basik in Sun Valley says Musk is slated to speak at the conference tomorrow. Shares of GameStop, Karen, are also falling in early trading. They're down nearly 6% on a key executive departure. Let's get more on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. GameStop fired its CFO Mike Recupero yesterday. He was one of the several Amazon employees that GameStop had recently hired in an effort to shift its focus from physical storefronts to e-commerce. But Bloomberg sources say Recupero was fired because he was not hands-on enough and treated GameStop as if it were Amazon. The current chief accounting officer will replace him. The company is attempting to turn around a business that's been hit by shifting gaming demands and a troubled market. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at informatica.com. This is Bloomberg. 
And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 68 degrees in Central Park. We're already seeing 30-minute delays on the inbound upper level of the George Washington Bridge. You can thank Overnight Construction for that. More details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on once you get in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A star witness appears before the U.S. House Committee investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. It will be a private meeting, but it could set the stage for the rest of the investigation. The committee had been leaning on Pat Cipollone, the Trump White House counsel, to appear for weeks. A Fire Island lifeguard was bitten by a shark on Long Island yesterday, possibly the third such attack in the past week. The lifeguard was bitten near his left foot while conducting a training exercise about 150 to 200 yards from the shoreline. He was treated and released. The Biden administration says it's still working to free WNBA star Brittany Griner now that she's pleaded guilty to the Russian drug charges against her. Griner told Russian court she didn't mean to put a vape cartridge containing drugs in her suitcase when she flew to Russia. She could be sentenced to 10 years in prison. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says they are still trying to free her. Clearly, we cannot negotiate in public. Uh, that is uh, not something that we're going to do, uh, but we are committed to making sure they all get home safely. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre also says they're working as hard to free American Paul Whelan. A man who was convicted of murder in connection with a 2019 shooting death of a New York City police officer was sentenced to at least 30 years in prison. The Queens County District Attorney says 28-year-old Jagger Freeman planned the holdup that resulted in Detective Brian Simonis' deaths. The second officer was also wounded. Former Minneapolis Police Officer Derek Chauvin has learned his fate in a federal plea deal for violating George Floyd's civil rights. Chauvin is already serving a lengthy sentence for killing Floyd in 2020. He's been sentenced to a little more than 20 years in a federal prison. During sentencing hearing, Chauvin offered no apology. George Floyd's father, Falon, uh, brother rather, Falonis, spoke outside the courthouse after the hearing. You were brought here to serve and protect, because that's your job title, to serve and protect. But I didn't see that that day. All I seen was my brother taken away. All I seen was his last breath. All I seen was him screaming out to my mom. Falonis Floyd. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashem. All right, good morning, Nathan. And the Yankees' first game this season in Boston. They get their 60th win of the year. They didn't even use Aaron Judge or Anthony Rizzo, both nursing minor injuries. So that's 52 home runs on the bench. But the Yanks got a third inning grand slam from Josh Donaldson. Aaron Hicks followed with a solo shot. That's two guys who have not hit well this season. They both now homered in back-to-back games. The Yanks led 5 to nothing later 6-2, to two, and they held on to win 6-5. The Red Sox, Raphael Devers did his part. He drove in all five, hit two homers off Garrett Cole, who Devers owns. He's hit six off Cole in his career, leaving the Yankee A's wondering what he has to do against Devers. It's pretty... It's pretty wild. He's just been able to hit every. I mean, there just hasn't been a miss hit. You know, like roll over one time, like line out one time. I mean, so um, you know, he's supposed to supposed to fail seven out of ten times in this gig. I don't know what the deal is. Hold that. Everyone else out got his eighth win. Clay Holmes his 16th save. And the Yankees are 15 games ahead of the Red Sox at Citi Field. Easy one for the Mets. 10-0 over the Marlins. Like the Yankees, production from guys who have struggled. The J.D. Davis Grand Slam, uh, Brian McCann, three-run homer, and Trevor Williams, who came in just 1-5. and five. 
Hurled seven scoreless innings, allowed only two hits, no walks, and he struck out seven. Men's semifinals today at Wimbledon, but only one match. Novak Djokovic takes on the South African Cameron Nori. The much-anticipated match between Rafael Nadal and the Aussie Nick Kyrgios is off. Nadal had to pull out with an abdominal injury. Women's final tomorrow, a couple of relative unknowns. Anjobur of Tunisia and Elena Rybakina of Kazakhstan. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports News. Okay, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are down 20 points. Dow futures down 133. NASDAQ futures are lower by 77 points. Up next, we'll get the latest from Tokyo. The death former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Bloomberg's Karumi Mori joins us next. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning partly to mostly cloudy today with highs in the upper 80s. Low 80s, sunny and less humid tomorrow. It'll be a nice weekend. Right now, 68 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures in European equities are lower following news former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was shot dead. And as investors await employment data to gauge whether the world's largest economy can avoid a recession. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 20 points. Dow futures down 132. NASDAQ futures down 81. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds. Yield 2.98 percent. They yield on the two-year. 3.01 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down three quarters of a percent on 76 cents at $101.98 a barrel. COMEX gold is down three tenths percent or $4.90 at 17.34.80 an ounce. The euro 1.0110 against the dollar. British pound 1.1942 and the yen at 135.85. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, it's down 1.1 percent at $21,360. And the June jobs report is out at 8.30 Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. As you mentioned, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died. According to NHK, Abe died in a Japanese hospital after he was shot during a campaign stop today. Cabinet officials will meet to discuss a response. The man who attacked Abe has been arrested, and of course we'll have more on this story in a few moments. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 6-5, the Mets won, Orioles also won, the Nationals lost along with the Giants. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we continue following the breaking news out of Tokyo and confirmation that former uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died after being shot at that campaign stop. Doctors in Tokyo say he was brought in in grave condition and was pronounced dead a little more than an hour ago. Bloomberg's Karumi Mori joins us live from outside the hospital in Tokyo, where Japan's longest serving prime minister was being treated. Just shocking developments in the last few minutes here, Karumi. Yeah, that's right. I'm actually in Nara Medical University Hospital right outside of the building uh, this is where Prime Minister Abe had been campaigning earlier in the day. We're about four hours away, west from Tokyo. Uh, I just left the press conference 
uh, where the head of the hospital and the ER doctor in charge of treating Abe was just speaking. Dr. Fukushima, who is that ER doctor, had said uh, uh, that Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was declared dead, a former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was declared dead at 5.03 p.m. local time. He was brought into the hospital, and at that time he was under cardiac arrest, so already unconscious, um, and his heart had stopped. They're offering their condolences, um, just adding that the bullet had unfortunately pierced his heart. Uh, we learned earlier in the day that he campaign trail supporting the LDP at 67 years old. You know, um, he was still part of a, a, a powerful within the Japanese politics. He was leading the largest faction in ruling LDP. Uh, he was shot from the back. Uh, again, security was not too terribly tight, Japan being a low-crime-rate country and gun violence being very rare here in Japan. But all of this really taking place uh, two days before the upper house election um, that will happen on Sunday, July 10th, this weekend. Um, but again, yeah, getting this confirmation now that uh, he has unfortunately passed, he's survived by his wife, Aki Abe, who we saw had walked into the hospital just hours earlier. This just has to be sending a shudder through the country, given that, as you say, a violence of really any kind, much less gun violence, is so rare in Japan and coming so close to an election day. What does this mean politically, if not just societally, in Japan? All right, absolutely. Uh, right after the news broke of the shooting, we saw candidates actually uh, post on social media announcing that they will be stopping the campaigning activities for today, given the news, uh, but fi- Finance Minister Suzuki had had announced to the to the press a few hours ago that actually changing election plans would mean a loss for democracy. We will not lose to the violence. So, it sounds like the elections on July 10th here in Japan, upper house elections, will go ahead as planned. What do we know about this suspect? We understand that the uh, the suspect in the shooting has been arrested. Uh, what what further information have we learned about this person? Any potential motive? Yeah, that's right, Nathan. Uh, he is a Nara local. Um, it was a handmade gun that he was holding. Uh, he is a man in his forties. We are hearing forty one or forty two years old. And he was actually a former member of Japan's self-defense force. Uh, so, you know, he must have had uh, some sort of training and experience. But again, the, the suspect, uh, the suspected shooter has been apprehended. He is under police custody. Uh, local reports that he didn't try to flee the, flee the site after he had shot, uh, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. But, Again, we're learning more and more as the details come out, but the the biggest news now uh, is that Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister, has, has passed. And just given the fact that he was Japan's longest-serving prime minister, had had such an impact on Japanese politics in recent years, what, is, what does this mean in terms of the political impact, the hole left behind by the death now of Shinzo Abe? Yeah, that's right. Again, like I said, I mean, he was the longest-serving prime minister ever in Japan's history since 1880. He served a total of eight years and eight months. He was still very much an icon of the LDP, even after he resigned in 2020 for health reasons. Again, he is a huge member. He had 
uh, ended a term in office in which he pursued with, of course, mixed results, a conservative agenda of restoring the country's economy, military, and national pride. But this is a huge hit for LDC. He still was an influential figure in the ruling party. Again, this is uh, Bloomberg's Karumi Romi Mori with us uh, this morning live outside the hospital in Nara, Japan. Karumi, thank you so much for being with us. Again, the breaking news out of Nara. Japanese former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died in the hospital after being shot at a campaign event. Of course, we will be following the news and the reaction throughout the morning. Stay with Bloomberg Radio for all the very latest. It's now uh, 5.25 on Wall Street, and we have to shift gears now, focus on the U.S. economy with uh, just about three hours until the release of the June payrolls report. Of course, that's going to be uh, very important for investors this morning, not to mention the Fed as it uh, moves to fight inflation. Jennifer Lee. It is absolutely unforgivable. And this prime minister, Japanese Prime Minister Kishida, says a 41-year-old suspect has been arrested. The man told police he wanted to kill Abe because he was frustrated with the former premier. Abe died after being shot from about 10 feet away with what appeared to be a homemade firearm. Well, meantime, in the U.K., Karen, pressure continues to build on Boris Johnson to relinquish power. The prime minister's conservative party wants to speed up the contest to choose Johnson's successor by the end of the summer. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden has more from Westminster. The race is already on. Candidates already reportedly setting up camps in hotels around here. The Conservative Party wants to whittle it down to two candidates by July 21st and then pick one by September. But even that is too long for many to keep Boris Johnson in number 10. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says Boris Johnson hopes to stay on for at least three more months. Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, relations with China are in focus. Today, President Biden needs to discuss possible reductions in U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods. We spoke with the National Economic Council Director Brian Deese about the move. He says there are other options for taking on China. Tariffs are one tool, but we have other tools as well to make sure that we are protecting key sectors of the American economy and that we are um, holding to account for those Brian Deese was a guest on Bloomberg Surveillance Heard weekday mornings on Bloomberg Radio. And we'll hear from the administration again this morning, Karen, when we get the June jobs report. It is expected to show a slowdown in hiring. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh joins Bloomberg Radio and television to discuss the report. That's coming up at 940 Wall Street time. Well, Nathan, we turn to corporate news now, and there's more talk about Twitter. Shares are down more than 4% this morning amid concern Elon Musk's proposed acquisition is falling apart. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Elon Musk is still at odds with Twitter over the number of spam bots using the service. He's repeatedly threatened to walk away from his proposed $44 billion deal to take over the social media giant if they cannot confirm that bots make up less than 5% of total users. The Washington Post reports that Musk's team has concluded that Twitter cannot verify the figures and has stopped engaging in discussions around funding the deal. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Right, we need to thank you. And futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down 17 points. Dow futures down 104. And NASDAQ futures down 71. The DAX in Germany is down a quarter percent. The CAC in Paris is down about six-tenths of a percent. And the FTSE 100 down half percent. Ten-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds. Yield 2.98 percent. Yield on the two-year 3.01 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 50 cents at $102.23 a barrel. COMEX gold down Two tenths percent or three dollars eighty cents at seventeen thirty six an ounce. The euro one point oh one one eight against the dollar. Bitcoin this morning lower at twenty one thousand four hundred seventy dollars. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It is 533 on Wall Street. We're at 68 degrees in Central Park. And Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. There's been another shark attack on Long Island. A Fire Island lifeguard was bitten by a shark yesterday, possibly the third such attack in the past week. The lifeguard was bitten near his left foot while conducting a training exercise about 150 to 200 yards from the shoreline. He was treated and released. Officials have issued a ban on swimming at Ocean Beach until further notice. A star witness appears today before the U.S. House Committee investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. It will be a closed-door deposition between the panel and Pat Cipollone, the former Trump White House counsel. An excerpt could be released at next week's January 6th committee hearing. The Biden administration says it's committed to the safe return of Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, who remain captive in Russia. Yesterday, the WNBA star pleaded guilty to drug charges in a Moscow-area court. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. We've been clear from day one when it comes to U.S. nationals who are being held abroad, uh, who are being held wrongfully, uh, detained wrongfully, uh, who are being held hostage, we are going to do everything that we can, use every means that we have to bring them home. Press Secretary Jean-Pierre says, though, we cannot negotiate in public. Both the founder and president of the collapsed Theranos have been found guilty of fraud now. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The conviction of former President Sonny Balwani follows the conviction of founder Elizabeth Holmes by six months. Theranos was a blood-testing startup, and the charges were defrauding investors by using a few drops of blood to complete a wide array of health tests. Balwani's attorney says they plan to consider all legal options, including the possibility of an appeal. The pair was a high-profile couple during the buildup of the company and now face up to 20 years in jail. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. The Yankees' 60th win of the year came in their first game this season in Boston. They beat the Red Sox 6-5. to five. They got back-to-back home runs third inning from Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Grand slam for Donaldson. Garrett Cole got the win. Got everyone out except Raphael Devers, who homered off Cole in last year's playoff game. Homered off Cole in New York in his first at-bat of this season. Two more last night. Devers drove in all five Boston runs. Cole was asked about trying to get Devers out. He said he's open to suggestions. The Mets all over the Marlins, 10-0. Solid pitching from Trevor Williams. 
J.D. Davis at a grand slam. James McCann, a three-run shot. Atlanta lost, so the Mets lead the Braves by three and a half. They held the NHL draft. Devils had the second pick. Take Simone Nemec, defenseman from Slovakia. Slovaks went one-two. The Rangers did not have a first-rounder, but added three extra picks by trading backup goalie Alex Gorgiev to the Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Novak Djokovic plays the semifinal match today at Wimbledon against Cameron Norrie, and the winner will face the Aussie Nick Kyrgios in Sunday's final. Kyrgios already in because of Rafael Nadal's abdominal injury. I don't want to go out there, uh, not be competitive enough to play at this, uh, at the level that I need to to play to to achieve my goal and with a big chance to. To make the things uh, much worse. Wimbledon made the controversial decision to not allow Russians to play. Elena Rybakina, born and raised in Moscow, but plays now for Kazakhstan, and she's in tomorrow's women's final against Anjobur of Tunisia. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Eh? All right, John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Hermes is moving to Williamsburg. Women's Wear Daily reports the luxury retailer has signed leases for two new locations in the trendy Brooklyn neighborhood. There will reportedly be a temporary pop-up in Williamsburg in the first quarter of next year, followed by a permanent flagship in the same neighborhood in 2026. Amazon and the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey have scrapped plans for a new air cargo facility at Newark Liberty International. In 2021, Amazon's cargo airline launched plans to spend $125 million to transform two existing buildings at the airport. Three weeks before the American Dream Supermall is due to pay debt, backed by New Jersey Economic Development Grants, the state has not approved a key document needed to release the money, and that raises the risk that bondholders will not get their cash. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Video game retailer GameStop fires its chief financial officer and announces job cuts. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Wells Fargo's investment strategy arm says a recession is already here. I'm Caroline Hepgum, Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the race to succeed Boris Johnson as MPs pick their favorite for the toy leadership race. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Argo, the driverless startup backed by Ford has laid off about 150 workers. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. We're coming up to 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Boris Johnson was nothing if not tenacious. In recent weeks, the U.K. Prime Minister had shrugged off a relentless series of setbacks and embarrassments, almost all of his own making. The latest induced two of his most senior ministers to resign this week, prompting a cascade of further departures and a surge of demands from conservative lawmakers that Johnson stepped down. The pressure finally worked. On Thursday, Johnson announced his resignation. The tasks awaiting his successor are unenviable. The UK faces serious and mounting challenges when it comes to the economy, Europe, public services, and industrial relations. 
building consensus on these questions within the Conservative Party, let alone in the country as a whole, will be a challenge for the Prime Minister. At the moment, perhaps the only idea commanding wide support is that Boris Johnson was no longer up to the job. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures right now down 12 points. Dow futures down 64. NASDAQ futures down 57 points. The latest on the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will be speaking with Bloomberg's Lisa Du in Japan next. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning mostly cloudy today with highs in the upper 80s. It'll be partly sunny, less humid tomorrow, low 80s. Mostly sunny, low 80s for Sunday. Right now, 68 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures in European equities are lower following news former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was shot to death. And as investors await employment data to gauge whether the world's largest economy can avoid a recession, the dollar found haven demand. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 12 points. Dow futures down 60. And NASDAQ futures down 57. The DAX in Germany's up about two-tenths of a percent now. Ten-year Treasury up 30 seconds, yield 2.97%. The yield on the two-year, 3%. NYMEX crude oil is down four-tenths percent or 44 cents at $102.26 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent or $4.50 at 17.35. 30 an ounce. The euro, 1.0119 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1945. The yen is at 135.89. And Bitcoin lower, down seven-tenths percent at $21,460. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. In other news, a candlelight vigil was held last night in Highland Park, Illinois, for the seven victims of Monday's shooting rampage. Funeral services for three of them are scheduled today. The IRS is taking a closer look at reports. The agency subjected two former FBI officials to unusual scrutiny. Then-President Trump repeatedly attacked James Comey and Andrew McCabe over the FBI's Russia probe that shadowed Trump for years. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 6-5. The Mets won. The Orioles also won. The Nationals lost along with the Giants. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get more now on our top story, the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the country's longest-serving premier, has died after being shot at a campaign event in Japan. We're joined now live from Tokyo by Bloomberg's Lisa Du. Lisa, good morning. Just shocking news uh, that's reverberating globally following the passing of Shinzo Abe. What more do we know about how he died? 
Um, yes, hi. It's been a really jarring and very tragic last few hours here in Japan. You know, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe passing away at the age of 67 was announced actually less than an hour ago. Um, according to the hospital that treated him, he arrived already in very great condition. Um, he died shortly after 5 p.m. local time here of blood loss after sustaining gunshot wounds that hit his neck and chest and went through to his heart. It's an extremely shocking event. He was very well known globally among leaders uh, for being Japan's longest serving prime minister and in Japan where, you know, gun violence is extremely rare, almost virtually non-existent, uh, a really jarring event for, um, you know, the people to take in. Yeah, some of the uh, reaction we've seen from global leaders, they just seem staggered by this news, given the fact that, as you say, gun violence, uh, not to mention political violence, is so rare in Japan. I mean, just talk a little bit about what this means for the country, uh, just to be in the midst of something like this. It, it just must be something that people just can't explain right now. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. I think, you know, July 8th will definitely be a day that will, you know, remain, be a scar in Japanese history, in Japanese people's memories. Um, you know, just to give you a sense of how restrictive, you know, gun laws are, it's nearly impossible to obtain a gun. Um, and they say the suspect actually shot him with a homemade device. Um, just last year, um, there were 10 incidents of gun violence in Japan, and only one resulted in someone passing away. Um, that's just how, how rare it was. And, you know, and political, and any violence related to politics was also virtually non-existent. So I think it just, um, you know, a, a day that with events that people are really starting still processing, um, you know, right now. What more do we know about the suspect in this shooting? You mentioned he apparently used a homemade gun. What more are we hearing about this person? Yes, he was apprehended at the scene, and it was a man in his 40s who apparently used to work for the Japan Self-Defense Forces. Um, in police questioning, he apparently told them that he intended to kill Abe today um, and that he was dissatisfied with Abe, um, but it didn't but said that the dissatisfaction wasn't related to any political belief and um that's as much as we know on the motive it's not extremely clear and we're hoping to get more on that all right well just uh, talk a little bit as well about the legacy that Shinzo Abe leaves behind. I think the word that many of us remember from his time in office is Abenomics. I mean, it's it's really difficult, I think, to overstate just the kind of influence that Shinzo Abe had politically and economically on this on uh, on Japan. Uh, yes, indeed. You know, he was, like we've said, Japan's longest-serving prime minister. He really came in and added stability to, to a time when Japan had been going through a revolving door series of prime ministers every year, and then he stayed for eight years from 2012 to 2020. And like you mentioned, he was especially well-known for his economic agenda, Abenomics, you know, based on a monetary easing, government spending, combined with structural reform. Um, you know, at the time, really an unprecedented economic policy package, um, the effects of which we are still seeing in Japan today with the easy money and the weakness in the yen. 
And so definitely he, he, you know, he had a lot of impact. And he's also very well known for brokering global trade deals and his attempts, although unsuccessful, to revise Japan's pacifist constitution. And even though he had been gone from office for two years, you know, he still remained deeply influential within Japan's ruling party, um, more recently kind of pushing for increases in defense spending and being more vocal warning about China's rise and its impact on Japan. A deep hole left behind following the passing of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Lisa Du joining us this morning from Tokyo. Bloomberg News correspondent Lisa, thank you for giving us the very latest. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for a legal story we're watching this morning. Eight days after the Supreme Court struck down New York's century-old gun law, the state's lawmakers approved a sweeping overhaul of New York's handgun licensing rules. The new gun legislation severely limits where guns can be carried, includes a strict permitting process for concealed carry licenses, and requires background checks to buy ammunition. The law will almost certainly be challenged in court. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Andrew Willinger, the executive director of the Duke Center for Firearms Law. The legislation sets out a list of sensitive places where you can't carry concealed weapons, and it's quite extensive. Just a few things on the list are bars and restaurants serving alcohol, educational institutions, entertainment venues, playgrounds, houses of worship, libraries, subways and buses, and Times Square. Would that list pass Supreme Court review? This is a, a place where I think we're likely to see litigation in the near future. The court in Bruin doesn't undertake an extensive analysis of what places can be designated sensitive by a state government such that gun possession can be banned there. So all the court says is New York can't designate the entire island of Manhattan as a sensitive place. The court's opinion says that you have to analogize to historical places where guns were prohibited. Where I think that leaves us is that there are certain locations on this list that are completely fine, right? Government buildings, polling places, you know, there's a limited set of places where we have a historical tradition of banning guns in those locations. But it's not as clear for things like mass transit, Times Square, stadiums, anywhere where alcohol is sold or consumed. And I think, you know, this expansive list does come relatively close to what the court cautioned against in Bruin, which is that you can't simply say that because people congregate in a given location and law enforcement officers are available, that that is a sensitive place and guns are banned. It seems like in many respects, the law is stricter than the old law. That's right. And I think this is a really important observation about this New York law is that under the prior system that the court struck down in Bruin, New York had this proper cause requirement. And that mandated that an applicant show some exceptional circumstance, right? But at the same time, New York was granting, especially you know, outside of New York City in more rural areas, they were granting permits to people to carry concealed weapons. And those permit holders had a pretty broad ability to carry weapons in a a number of different public places. Now you have a system where it might be easier as an initial step to get the permit. But once you obtain a permit, it doesn't give you the ability to carry guns in anywhere near as many places as you could under the prior system. So in many respects, it is going to be stricter because people who have permits will be limited in where they can actually bring guns. 
And that's Andrew Willinger, the executive director of the Duke Center for Firearms Law, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BLaw Go. S&P futures lower down about 12 points this morning. Dow futures down 62 and NASDAQ futures are down 58. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds. The yield at 2.97% and the yield on the two-year 2.99%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we have a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day, including the latest on the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.